see if we can find them. about it. So uh, we want to talk about the privilege of prayer. It's been a few weeks here since we've been in our study of prayer. Appreciate the men who filled in in my absence. And uh, we want to look at a couple of verses here in Psalm 55, verse 16 and 17. The psalmist says, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Whoops, that's 50. Yeah, that's right. We're in the right place. Evening and morning, and at noon, will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Still at the door. Well, we want to spend a few moments talking about the privilege of prayer. I think uh, it's a privilege that is unequaled <coughs> to any other pri privilege we have in this world. Uh, we see this a number of places throughout Scripture, and we'll look first here at Psalm 55. <coughs> Excuse me. The old frog's still living with me a little bit. First of all, prayer allows access to God. Now, in the context of this, uh, these two verses that we read there, and David is relating his troubles. He does that in verses 1 through 14. We won't take time to read those tonight, but he's relating his troubles. He's spelling out the doom of the wicked in verse 15. Let death seize upon them and let them go down quick into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. And after feeling downcast, defeated, David remembers the privilege of prayer. Now, too often, we as believers forget the tremendous, glorious privilege that we have as children of God to go to God in prayer. Sometimes the trials become so heavy and so burdensome uh, they say, well, I don't know what I can do. Oh, yeah, I can pray. Um, and often we forget that. But I notice here in these two verses, three things that stand out in particular. First of all, well, we talk about the privilege of prayer. Um, He's addressing the Creator. Uh, in verses 1 through 9, he talks about false gods. He's saying, again in verse 9, Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. He's talking about the false gods that uh, are there, the enemy, the oppressors, the uh, mischief makers, the wickedness. To whom are they praying? Well, uh, they're praying to their false gods which cannot answer. But to whom are we praying? 
Well, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. So it's important and it's easy to overlook unto, now unto him. And him is God. Is, uh, that uh, he's able to do great, great things. Isaiah 40, verse 12, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with a span and com comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountain in scales and the hills in a balance? A tremendous uh, creation that we have and a tremendous creator. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 says, For by him, God, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So uh, the psalmist is addressing the creator, and then secondly, he's coming into his presence. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, And he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when we pray, we realize we are in Christ, we're in Jesus. And so when we pray, the Son... Where is he? He's sitting by the Father, and he's interceding for us through uh, there's intercession for us to the Father through the Son, and he hears us. And so that allows us, literally allows us to go into the throne room of heaven. We come into his presence. I don't know if we really comprehend that and sometimes we pray and, uh, and, and I don't know if we, we bow our heads and our prayers just kind of bounce off the floor or we lift our heads and pray to God and our prayers kind of bounce off the ceiling and we don't just really comprehend that if we're really praying and we really take a hold of the fact that we're in the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, he's making intercession for us that we're actually going into the throne room not physically, but by the Son. He's always there for us. And then we have access by royal invitation. Now, recently the Queen of England celebrated her 70th year of reign or something like that. I didn't get an invitation I don't know if any of you did, but uh, it was a big, big, big deal. It was a, a lot of celebrating, a lot of, not just one day, not just one evening with a birthday cake, you know. <laughs> not just, you know, it was a big deal. And uh, usually as you think about ancient kings, they are largely unapproachable. You think of Esther, and Esther chapter 4. But God invites us to come before him. In Psalm 50, back a few chapters there, 
It says in verse 15, And call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. And so ours is a great privilege. We have a royal invitation. The King of Kings has invited us to come into his presence. So we have access. Prayer allows access to God. Secondly, prayer is available to all believers. In John 15 and verse 7, it says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So, Prayer is not just an activity for someone who's very spiritual. It's available for all believers. Prayer is open to all saints, without exception. And many great Bible prayers fell from the lips of just ordinary people. Think of Hannah. 1 Samuel 1. Hannah perhaps was not really special in man's eyes, but she was special in God's eyes. And she prayed for a son and promised to give him to God. Think of the publican in Luke 18 and verse 13. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God is merciful to me a sinner. God be merciful to me as a, a sinner. You see, he recognized who he was. Again, he was not someone that was necessarily well-known or well-liked, certainly not well-liked, but uh, he recognized his sin. And he, he, uh, he prayed to God, be merciful. And then the dying thief in Luke 23 said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Well, these are three ordinary people. They hadn't done anything great, but they called upon the Lord in a time when they needed his help. They needed his salvation. And I don't think we should ever feel we have no right to pray. Someone might say, well, my sins are too great. My, I'm just such a terrible person. I, I can't pray. God calls on us to pray. You see, your family needs you to pray. Uh, your church family needs you to pray. Your, your community needs you to pray. So prayer is a privilege that deserves to be exercised. It allows access to God. It's available to all of us. And thirdly, prayer anticipates God's answer. It's a very familiar verse in Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I've often heard this to be God's phone number, Jeremiah 33, 3. Back when phone numbers had names and a few numbers. Some of the old preachers called this Jeremiah 33, 3, God's phone number. Jeremiah 3, 3, 3. 
Some of you can probably remember when you had phones that would ring short, long. Now, what what was what was your? Do you remember? No, no. When you had that phone, you had to crank two shorts. Okay. You don't remember, huh? It's amazing how many times we can we can remember our childhood phone numbers, but uh, since then we've had so many phone numbers that you know that's the only one I can remember. Maybe the one I've got right now, but you know. Jeremiah 333, back when there was no area code, no prefix. Mohawk 58848. Yeah, Mohawk. Hutchinson Exchange was Mohawk. Yeah, Hutchinson, Kansas. I can, you know, I can remember that. I can remember the address of my childhood, you know, where we lived. I would be able to tell you the address in all the different places we've lived. But you always remember that one. And there's one address or phone number we need to remember, and that's Jeremiah 33.3. It's easy to remember. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. What a promise. Isaiah 64. 5 verse 24 it shall come to pass that before they call I will answer and while they are yet speaking I will hear prayer is a privilege because we have the promise that he will hear and he will answer now, this should give us confidence when we pray John 14:13 and 14 and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name that will I do that the father may be glorified in the son if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 16, 23 and 24. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. Again, we're not just talking to the floor. We're not just talking to the ceiling. We're not just talking to the air, talking to God, the God who answers prayer. God desires to answer our prayer more than we want to, them to be answered, I think, sometimes. Luke 12, 31 and 32, But rather seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's why the prayer of faith is possible. James 4, 2 and 3, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that it may consume it, ye may consume it upon your lusts. So prayer allows us access to God. Prayer is available to all of us. Prayer anticipates God's answer and then Prayer achieves the impossible. Matthew 17, 20. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, 
ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Prayer has the ability to unleash the supernatural in a natural world. We have many examples of this. Remember Elijah on Mount Carmel. In 1 Kings 18, verses 36 through 38, there is a 63-word prayer. Uh, you probably don't make a habit of counting the words when you pray. But this is a 63-word prayer. And it uh, unleashed the supernatural. What about Abraham's prayer for Sodom in Genesis 18? He said, if there are 50 righteous, will you spare for 50? And then he went down to 45 and to 40 and to 30 and to 20 and got down to 10. Moses for Israel, Exodus 32. While Moses was up on the mountain and getting the Ten Commandments, the people were down below and they were doing their own thing. And people were sinning while he was on Mount Sinai. He prayed for Israel. Jesus prayed for the multitude in John 6.11. The feeding of the 5,000. Of course, it was 5,000 plus. And then the thief for his own soul on the cross. We've mentioned him already. How many of us are living impossible lives because of the supernatural power of prayer? You know, uh, we, we come to prayer and we pray for people in our, in our congregation, our church family. And uh, sometimes uh, we don't always see the answer to that prayer right away, do we? But many times God answers prayer and we don't understand how he did it, but he did it. Never say God cannot do it. Prayer is a privilege because it, is the, it has the ability to achieve the impossible. So prayer advances the kingdom of God. Number five. In 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. And our prayers can be effective in places where we cannot even go physically. We can pray here in Wisconsin for missionaries around the world. We can pray for what's going on in Ukraine. We can pray for uh, those who are in uh, at the places of their ministry. Pray for our, our missionary uh, that uh, is serving in Cameroon or serving uh, in Peru or the ones that in Brazil. We can't go there. At least, I mean, we can't just jump in the plane and without, without great expense and great effort. 
we might be able to go there. It'd be nice to go there, but uh, uh, we can't always be there. But uh, we have those who are there representing us, and our prayers can be effective in those places, places where we cannot go physically. I know Tim Smith would say uh, he values our prayers for uh, the ones in uh, that he's ministered to in Central Asia and also uh, in the in Ukraine. Why prayer warriors are needed, and that's why they are essential. Matthew 6, 5 and 6 says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. That's the prayer closet. Maybe you don't go into the closet where you hang your clothes and get down and pray there. But it's a place where you can be alone with God, and you can... Pray. True power lies not in the preacher or the church, but real power is when we know how to use the prayer closet. Prayer opens doors. Prayer hinders evil. Prayer touches the sick. Prayer convicts the sinner. Prayer works. And our need is for more people to pray. Paul was a prayer warrior. Find that in Romans chapters 1 and Chapter 15, he believed in the power and the potential of prayer. Literally everything we do must be bathed in the sea of prayer. Being useful in his kingdom makes prayer a great privilege. And then prayer advertises God's greatness. You go back again to Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18. Remember there the the context when Elijah prayed and God answered and the people glorified the Lord. See, prayer advertised God's greatness like few other things can. How is that? Well, a prayer declares His grace. You see, God allows sinners access. When sinners come before God and recognize their sin and they put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's for by faith, uh, for by grace are you saved through faith. Grace is declared. Prayer declares his goodness. He's willing to hear and to answer. And prayer declares his greatness. Prayer says he is worthy to be bowed down before. And then prayer declares his glory. It's through the avenue of prayer that God reveals himself and his purposes and his ways to man. And prayer unleashes the power of Almighty God on this earth. Prayer says, I can't, but I know one who can. It's a privilege because it gives us an opportunity to exalt our Heavenly Father. And by simple willingness to place our faith in God, we honor Him. And this year, we're again being faced with you know, election time, and uh, voting is a privilege. Some would say, well, it's my right, it's a privilege. I exercise that privilege because I want it to impact our government. 
Well, prayer is a privilege of God's saints. And when we exercise this great privilege, we can impact earth and heaven. We can reach beyond today. We can go into uh, tomorrow because it's a great privilege, privilege and it's something we need to exercise at every opportunity we have. The privilege of prayer. Thank you for coming tonight to pray. It's a great privilege to come before God, even individually, but also as a church body. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the blessing of prayer. We thank you for your word. We thank you for salvation. Those are great and mighty things. But often we just kind of set prayer at aside. And we only pray when we're in trouble. But Lord, help us just to be prayer warriors. Praying daily for those needs that we have and our family has, our missionaries have, our church family. Pray for, praying for one another. We might see your goodness, your power demonstrated in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.